Hello, everybody. It's great to see you. It's getting colder and it's getting darker. And whenever it gets colder and whenever it gets darker, there's something like like primal inside of me that says like it's time to go home or something. Like it's like it's time to go home, and like the holidays begin to happen, and everyone begins to fantasize about family and holidays and what they could be like. And, and, and I say we fantasize about the holidays because we, I always build them up to be something that they don't ever end up to be in the end, you know, and I'm seriously disappointed because, you know, I paint this picture in my head of, of going home, but home, it isn't actually a place I go. It is an idea or a concept in my head of what, what home is, and, and home is this perfect place that some Christmas I am going to achieve, um, that all my family's there, and they all love me, and we don't fight, and the food is on time and amazing, and we don't have to clean up after, and, and everyone who asks for something got exactly that, but more, and, and it's just this, this fantastic idea, home, it's, it's the thing that, that families, after they've been together forever, achieve, but they don't ever actually get there, that's why I say it's a fantasy, it never really happens, but whenever it gets colder, and whenever it gets darker, my heart begins to go home, like, it's like, here's where we're going, it's Thanksgiving time, you know, and even though every other Thanksgiving I've ever had has been horrible, this one is going to be amazing, you know, and, and it's just going to rock this year, and our family is going to be awesome, we're going home. And, and so whenever I think about family or going home or I think about perfection, even, I, I forget how bad things typically are during the holidays. I forget. I, I, I tend to put perfect things on things that are not perfect. And, um, and, and, and I also tend to do that a ton about the church. Like, whenever I talk about church, I talk about the church, you know? Like, do you understand what the church is? And, and kind of early on, everyone's like, yeah, we kind of do. And I'm like, you don't get it. And then at the end, I get you here, but you're like, that's not what happened, you know? Because I, I tend to idealize things, and things should be perfect, and things should be awesome, and this is where we're going when it gets cold and it gets dark. That's where I tend to go. And, 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 Typically, it's just not true. It's not real. There's a song I heard the other day on the radio. It's, it's a song called Dollhouse. And this girl is talking about her family. And, and, and she's painting this picture of how her family is awesome. And painting this picture of, of how her family does everything right. And how everyone thinks their family just rocks it. And then the chorus comes in, and she calls her family a dollhouse, and it's perfect. And if you just open up the curtains, you'll actually see who they truly are. And, and the husband is cheating on the mom, and the mom is an alcoholic, and her brother is a pothead. But, hey, we can take a good family picture, so let's be plastic and be a dollhouse. But do not open up the curtains. The truth is, is a bunch of us in the church feel as if the church functions as a dollhouse. This this thing that we are coming into, this thing that we do here, is a dollhouse. And who you actually are, and the problems we actually have, and and the blemishes and the hardships have absolutely 
nothing to do with church, but it's just the opposite. A bunch of us are afraid to bring who we actually are here, as if we have to check out our daily lives before we come into the church. As if the curtains here are always closed. Don't look inside the church. There are plenty of people outside the church who would say the church is like a dollhouse. They're a bunch of hypocrites, right? They're a bunch of hypocrites. But this could not be further from the truth. We are currently on a sermon series called Taboo. Things we do not talk about. We're on the sermon series because it is important because the church does not have closed curtains. In fact, it thrives on brokenness. It thrives on pain. And it thrives on the fact that we're not perfect. And the things that are broken inside of us are the things that bind us together as people. And tonight's topic, the the topic that we are focusing on and the topic that we're going to camp out in is the topic of being lonely. It is the topic of being lonely. I very rarely ever hear people inside the church say, I am so lonely. I rarely ever hear anyone say, I am really lonely. But oftentimes, I am really lonely. And I believe that you are oftentimes very lonely. This is something that is very common, but we rarely ever talk about. And it comes in all shapes and sizes. I believe that Loneliness comes in all shapes and sizes. It just you know, isn't the person who's, who's a single person in a huge house and has tons of cats. Loneliness is a state of mind. It is a feeling that is caused by not being seen or known. In fact, some of the people that I know who are the absolute most lonely people that I know are surrounded by people. They're surrounded by people who think they're awesome, but the person doesn't feel seen or known. Some of the most lonely people are surrounded by lots of people. It doesn't mean that you are alone, but a heart can be lonely and be surrounded it comes in all shapes and sizes. It comes, comes in the f- form of, of not only the single parent, but the, the woman who, does not seen, who is not seen by her husband. How her heart is not affirmed or known. It's the, the husband who doesn't believe his wife understands who he truly is. It is the child who thinks that their parents have no idea who they truly are. It comes in the shapes and the size of the successful business guy who everyone thinks is just killing it, but he has no friends. It comes in the shape and size of the popular kid at school who's putting on an act just to be popular, but no one actually knows who he actually is. It comes in tons and shapes and sizes. And the average heart, the average person doesn't feel seen and doesn't feel known and does not feel as if they are truly held up by someone's hands. 
And this is loneliness. The average person experiences loneliness on a deep level. This is a problem. And the thing that's so cool about the idea of loneliness, it isn't the fact that that we don't ever talk about it, but it's the fact that it's all over the Bible. People who are experiencing God in these deep, big ways are also typically very lonely people. And there's this guy in the Bible, you possibly have heard of him, it's King David. King David is someone that you and I would possibly say he's a pretty good guy. And like he and God are tight. And, and furthermore, you know, he and God are doing things together. You know, he's the king of Israel, you know, and, and he's surrounded by people. He has tons of spouses, you know, like he is someone who is not alone. But the half of the book of Psalms is him crying out, I'm really lonely. Like, check this out. Psalm 25, 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely. Psalm 102, verse 7. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. Psalm 142, verse 4. I look to my right and I see that no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. This was King David. I am lonely. I feel like a bird on a roof by myself. I look to my right, I look to my left, and I see no one who cares for my life. How many of us feel like this? I feel like this a lot. The thing that's interesting is Loneliness is the first problem of humanity. It's the first problem in the Bible. It is the first problem. Loneliness is the first problem. Because just like King David, whenever I'm alone or I'm talking to someone who's experiencing like this feeling of, I'm just so alone, I'm experiencing pain, our first response in the church is, I just need God. I don't need anybody. I just need God. If, if, if God and I were tight and we were close and I was a better Christian, if I just nailed my spiritual life, I would not need people at all. All I need is God. And I've heard that a lot, and I've said that a lot. But loneliness is the first problem. In the Bible, it shows up in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, I always talk about the Garden of Eden as just being this magical place. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's Garden of Eden. I, I, I fantasize about it. It, it, it as a place that the animals talk. And like everything is good and the hippos aren't heavy. Like they, they float in Eden. They're not fat because there's no fatness in Eden. And things are good and, and God's there. And Adam and God hang out all the time and they walk in the garden and things are good. Like, like no one can ever be beat that relationship that that Adam and God had. Like, this was the intent. This is what we're going for. Adam and God walking in the garden, and things are awesome. And then God says, huh, you're alone. This isn't good. 
Okay, so everything's perfect. Adam and God, they walk and they hold hands and they do things and they're talking and huge conversations. And God says, you're lonely. You're alone. As if this is a problem. There was a problem before sin. The problem before sin was loneliness. You're alone. As if God was saying, I can't do anything about that. You and I, this thing that you and I have here, it's not going to fix your problem. You're lonely. You need people. You need flesh and bone. You need other, other people just like you. You're lonely. <laughs> this is interesting. Because to me, the idea of loneliness is bigger than just being alone. Because when I'm alone, it just isn't I'm alone and I need to fix it or get over it. When I'm alone, I feel paralyzed. And those of you who deal at a deep core, core level with this idea of being alone and being lonely and truly lonely, it is paralysis. It is, I don't want to get up out of bed. No one sees me. No one has an idea who I am. I have no one cheering me on. I can't move. I can't go anywhere. I can't dream. The loneliness is issue, that's just the beginning. But the bigger, the symptoms are so much bigger. They're so much bigger than just being sad. It is paralysis. And in the Bible, there are several stories about people who are paralyzed and can't do anything or go anywhere. And so today, we're going to focus on some people who are paralyzed. The first story of a paralyzed person I want to talk about, he's found in the Gospel of John. And there's this paralyzed guy in John chapter 5 who's sitting by a pool. And there's this ancient tradition that in Jerusalem, there is this pool that, that heals people. And how this pool heals people is every day, an angel comes down from heaven and stirs the pool. And he'll stir the pool and then go back up to heaven. And the first person who gets into the pool is healed. I don't know. Don't ask me. That's in there, right? And so this is a tradition. There's this pool, the, the angel comes down, he stirs it, the first person who gets in it, healed, wham, bam, awesome, right? And so there's this guy who's sitting by the pool, paralyzed, and he's been there for 38 years. It's, it's, it's a perfect time to crack a joke, right? Of course he's been there for 38 years, he's been paralyzed, and how's he going to get in the pool? And so... So the story begins. He's sitting by the pool, and, and, and Jesus himself comes up to the paralyzed guy who's been there 38 years and, and says, Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be well? Of course he wants to be made well. He's been there for 38 years. And so the paralyzed guy says this in response. Sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. 
while I am trying to get in, someone else gets, goes in ahead of me. How sad is that? Every day, someone else gets in ahead of him. He says, I have no one to help me. Of course I want to get in the pool. But no one is here to help me. Every day, someone else gets in before me. How many of us, how many of us want to get better, want to be fixed, want to grow, want to dream? How many of us feel paralyzed but don't have anyone to help us? How many of us feel stuck in the places that we are in but are too ashamed to ask people to help us? How many of us are, are in bad relationships that, that, that we find ourselves hurting and seriously alone, but haven't even told the other person because we're just embarrassed. How many of us are like this paralyzed guy seeing this pool and saying, there is hope. I've seen other people get into it. It could be awesome, and I could dance, and I could walk, and I could dream, but I don't have anyone to help me. This is the heart of loneliness. I see it. I want it. I see other people there. They're celebrating and they're happy. But I have no one to pick me up and carry me. So I'll just sit here. And some of us will sit there for 38 years. Some of us will sit there and die there. Seeing people every day celebrate healing and growth and dreaming and beauty and goodness. The other story I want to talk about is the story of the paralyzed guy in the book of Luke. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. There's a paralyzed guy in the book of Luke who has friends. And friends are important to paralyze people, as we have found out by the guy at the pool. He could have been healed, but he's not. Anyway, so in Luke, we find this paralyzed guy who has, who has friends of great faith. And they heard that Jesus can heal. And so his friends take him, and they take the bed that he is on, and carry him to go be healed by Jesus, because they believe that Jesus can heal him. And so they finally find Jesus, and he's in this house. And the house is like jammed packed with people. Like, they're having the best church party that's ever happened. It, it is not an oxymoron. Church parties can be good and awesome. And so th th they're just jam-packed with people, and you cannot, you know, elbow your way in or anything, especially if you have a big bed and a paralyzed guy on it. And so this guy's friends said, we have a brilliant idea. Our idea is going to be to climb on whosoever house this is, and we're going to climb up on the roof. And then we're going to cut a hole in the roof. Like, these are college kids, you know? Like, great idea! Let's do it, you know? And, and so they, they climb up on the roof, they carry this bed on the roof, and then they cut a hole in the roof above Jesus. Can you imagine being the guy who owns the house? Like, get off my roof! Or even, you know, there's 
Jesus in the house. And he's given the best sermon ever because every sermon he gives at that point is the best sermon ever. And he's there doing it and he has his hands out and he's doing this. And then, you know, drywall begins to fall on his head. Then in his head, he's like, what the heck's happening? But he already knows because he's God, and he's like, there's people climbing on the roof, but I have to pretend I don't know. And so he's given his sermon, and there's, and then as he's going for it, he's about to hit his climax, here comes a guy coming down right in front of him, right? His friends are lowering the paralyzed guy down in front of Jesus. And then this happens. He speaks to the paralyzed guy, and first he says that your friends have great faith, and because of this, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't even talk about the faith of the paralyzed guy. He says, your friends have great faith, and because of your, the faith of your friends, you're forgiven. And then he says this, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. For a paralyzed guy, these are good words. For someone who has been lonely and stuck and not been able to dream, not being able to walk, someone who's been confined in the story of their loneliness, take up your mat, get out of your bed and go home is good words. And immediately he stood up in front of them and, and, and he took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and praised God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. How many of us want to say that at the end of every day? We have seen remarkable things today. What would it look like to have people who could carry us before Christ whenever we cannot carry ourselves? And that is a beautiful question. What would it look like to have people who would carry us before Christ whenever we cannot carry ourselves? A long time ago, I had someone pray over me and said, Oh God, Hey, you carry him when he cannot carry himself. And that's the only prayer I think I ever have actually heard and held on to. Oh God, carry me when I cannot carry myself. How many of us want to have friends who can carry us when we cannot carry ourselves? What would it be like to have friends who truly understand our brokenness? who understand our paralysis, who understand our loneliness. What would it be like for friends and companions in church to understand our brokenness and carry us when we cannot carry ourselves? What would it be like for others to to pick us up and bear our burdens and even bear us as a burden and to do it with faith? Because I know I am a burden a lot, of a, time, a lot of times. And I need friends to say, I will carry that. And I will climb up houses for you. And I will carry you up on a, you know, a 14er 
We will do this because I will carry you when you can't carry yourself. What would it be like for others to see our hearts and to know us and have the faith in Christ to know that we are not alone? What would it be like to have friends of faith that we could bank on that even when we don't have faith ourselves, their faith forgives our sins. What would that be like that I don't always have to be on and I don't always have to be perfect and you don't always have to show up? What would it be like to have friends who had crazy ideas, kind of like cutting holes in people's houses? A bad idea. (laughs) To me, honestly, all those things, it would look a ton of like if people opened up the curtains of the church. Because whenever I see in the church, I don't see things that are plastic. I don't see people that are fake. I don't see people that are trying to be perfect. I see people of faith. And I do see people caring each other. I do see people understanding burdens. I do see people caring others. I do see people of great faith. And I see that and rejoice. Because the the thing is, is the people around you today in this room, in this space, they are those people. But we often feel sequestered by people because we don't talk to each other. And of course we feel lonely. But but, but the people sitting by you right now, they are created by God, provided by God to carry you. The people around you in this space right now, they are created by God, provided by God to understand your burdens. They are are created for God, provided by God to be your brothers and your sisters, and they are strong enough to carry you. The people in this room, this is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is always saying, you are not alone. You are not alone. Get up off your mat. Walk. We'll do this. We're in this together. The people sitting to your left, sitting to your right, sitting behind you, sitting in front of you, even if they're empty chairs, there'll be someone in there tomorrow. And those people are created to carry you and understand your burdens and your pains and to climb up houses for you and to put holes in houses and put you right down before Christ. Because this is what we do if you pull back the curtains. Because this is not a dollhouse. The guy by the pool, 38 years. Do you want to be made well? Yes, but I'm all alone. I have no one to take me. And Jesus says the same thing that he said to the the other guy. He simply says, then take up your mat and go. Take up your mat and walk. Take up your mat. You are not alone. It's as if Christ is saying, I am that pool. And I am the God who stirs that pool. And you are not alone. You are not alone. Take up your mat and walk. You are 
not alone in your paralysis. You are not alone here, and you're not alone out there. Take up your mat and walk. And it's almost like to every person who's paralyzed and everyone who's in bondage and everyone who's in in this hurting situation— Jesus is constantly saying, take up your mat, get out of bed. You are not alone. For the single parent who feels as if she hasn't anyone in this whole place to relate to at all, Jesus says, take up your mat. You are not alone. There's four other, 400 other single parents in this building. Do you know what I mean? You know, you are not alone. And, and to, to the spirit, Spouses who do not feel like they understand each other or my husband doesn't get me. He says, you are not alone in that. Almost every wife in here feels like that. You are not alone. And to the husbands who say, my wife has no idea how much I do for, you know, you are not alone. Stop complaining. You know, you are not alone. Take up your mat and walk. It's time to live. It's time to dream. Stop being paralyzed. But by the fact that you feel lonely, you don't need to get in that pool. I am that pool. So the, the thing that I think is interesting to me, that the average person who is alone or feeling lonely, they actually have no idea that they are. This is so normal to feel how you and I feel that we don't actually think that there is anything better out there for us. Until we hear the story of the paralyzed guy who had crazy friends whose faith forgave his sins. It's like, wow, I need that. I want that. What would it be like to have that? Or be in a situation or a church that looks like that? Because that's coming home whenever it gets dark and whenever it gets cold. And so the question is, is, is truly, are you paralyzed? Are you lonely? Are, do you want to, to get better? There is something profound in that question. Do you want to get better? Because a bunch of us don't really want to because we don't actually believe that we are. The, 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 there is a situation a couple weeks ago that um, that before church, I was going into a very hard time, and so I I got up super early and I was thinking, man, today is going to be a rough day, and I got up early and I go out to eat for breakfast by myself. Right, I go out to breakfast by myself, and, and I start to think about the day and all the things that are going to happen, and how no one understands me, and how no one understands the situation that I am going through, and I am going to have to go to church and pretend to be a pastor. And so there I am, I'm eating breakfast by myself, and I, I think, man, I am so lonely. And so I pulled out my phone, and I texted a friend of mine who's a pastor at a church here in town. I just said, hey, man, um, today's going to be a super hard day for me, and I feel so alone. That, That was it. I just said, I feel alone. And I just had to tell you so I don't feel alone. He 
sudden text back and he just said, okay. And then part of me is like, man, he's a punk. But, but, but then the other part of me is like, that's cool. Just by telling him, I feel as if I am not alone in this. So, so I go over to Zoe's and I open up the building to prepare it for church. And so as I'm preparing the building, there's a banging on the door. And because the other part of the building isn't opened yet. And so I go to open up the door, and there he is. He comes in the door. The thing is, is he had church at that time. But he told his congregation it would be better for him to come and comfort me than for him to comfort his congregation at the time. And so he came in, and just seeing him at the door, he's he's taller than me, and he's like handsome and stuff, and I'm not. And, and so I saw him, and he has this heavy coat on, and he just like put out his arms. And I just went over to him, and I, I, he just like sucked me in, and I sobbed. And, and he literally said, you're not alone. And in that moment, I just, I cried, and I sobbed, and he's like, you can do this. You can do this. I'm here. We'll do it together. We're going to do this. You know, and, and he prayed for me, and he encouraged me. And in that moment, I felt like God himself was holding me and breathing into me. And whenever he went away, I felt encouraged, and I felt empowered, and I felt like I could conquer the planet because I was not alone. The question is, is do you want to not be alone? Because the truth is, is that God, in the beginning of the Bible, he did not throw a pity party for Adam. He didn't say, Adam, you're alone. This stinks. I don't know what you're going to do, man. No. God provided people. God provides. God provides. And it is true that all you need is God. This is the truth. All you need is God because God provides what you need and you need people. You need to not be alone. You need that. You need people to carry you when you cannot carry yourself. You need. So are you lonely? Do you have people that will carry you, have carried you, would carry you? Do you have others that understand your brokenness? Do you feel seen? Are you known? Do you allow other people to hold your heart? Because if you say no to any of those, you're alone. And the church conquers loneliness. Talk to people about it. Talk to people. The first step that you have to do, it's stupid. Tell someone. We never say, I'm lonely. I feel alone. I have no friends. Will you be my friend? Have that conversation. It's okay to say, I feel lonely right now. Because then someone has to respond. And in the church, the church always responds because God gives you what you need. Tell someone. Join a group. Be proactive. Get out of your bed. The church will always respond because if this is a dollhouse, going back to the dollhouse thing, and it could potentially be one, but 
but it isn't like a fake dollhouse. It's like a real dollhouse. Like, have you ever seen a real dollhouse that that like a two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old actually plays with? For instance, I have a daughter who has dolls. And like, as soon as she gets them in her package, she's like, oh, they're beautiful. I'm going to cut their hair. Or I'm going to pull off an appendage. Or they get chewed up by animals. Or they get the, the, the permanent sharpie out. And like, you know, like, I mean, a doll cannot exist in reality and be normal. The whole dollhouse thing, it's kind of like going home, that idea of the fantasy. But the church is not a fantasy. This is real. This has has people who feel bitten and chewed up and heads torn off and put on someone else's body types of things. Like, Like this is normal here. So if you feel as if you're not who you thought you would be, you are not alone. If you believe that you don't have the friends or the community that you would hope to have, you are not alone. If you feel as if daily people are chewing on you and destroying you, you are not alone. If you feel as if your arms have been pulled off and your head has been bitten off and put on someone else's torso, you are not alone. This is common. Pull back the curtains and see who is actually in here. This is our house. Our house looks like this, and it is beautiful. And whenever the things that have kept you alone and by yourself become the things that connect you to other people, this is when home starts to become reality. Whenever the things you thought you were embarrassed of and that separated you become things that are celebrated and embraced and seen and loved, this is when home and church become a reality. And so it isn't just a pipe dream anymore. Church becomes real. Because Jesus is constantly saying to those of us who are constantly throwing pity parties all over the place, get up off your mat and walk. Welcome home. Oh God, we love you. And we love that you have a heart for people who are lonely. God, we thank you for the healing power that you have and the fact that you provide for our needs. God, we thank you that you give us the church and you give us people to carry us and you give us people to carry our burdens and to understand our pains. God, we thank you and we praise you that you are bigger than us. God, we thank you for Christ who spoke truth, who spoke healing, who spoke encouragement, who spoke life. And we thank you for the honor it is to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his arms, to be his body. Teach us how to embrace people. Teach us how to carry people. God, teach us 
teach us to do and be. God, teach us to be people of life. Speak to our hearts, those of us who are hurting and who are alone, some of us who have been there forever. Give us the courage to speak out. Give us the courage to say, I am lonely. Give us the courage to ask you, God, give me people. Give me people of faith who can carry me whenever I cannot carry myself. God, we thank you that you are a God who cares and that you care about our loneliness. God, in this time, hold us, encourage us, and speak healing.